Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for the program. So these divinely precious triplets, these three words that you can pray and ask and utter and use, they can rescue a lost soul. They can lead to being a soul rescued when a soul who knows they're lost, who knows they're broken, who knows they're hurting, cries out, God save I'm in a mess. I've done wrong. Please, God. If you believe movie script writers or Hallmark greeting cards, there are three words that will turn your world around. And I'm referring, of course, to the phrase, I love you. What you may not have considered is that some of the most profound truths in the Bible are contained in three-word phrases, and they really do turn your world around. Tonight, Dr. Corbett searches the Bible for some of those life-changing three-word phrases, for those divinely precious triplets. To discover what they mean for us, let's join Dr. Corbett now. Doctorates very similar to myself. <laughs> oh, you cruel people. Yeah. But one, one of the things I love about him the most is his heart. And he shared about it yesterday is his, his tenacity to want to know when there's a sticking point on something, what is really going on there and how do we get behind the scenes to it. So I thought, I just wanted to know, he's a great friend of our church and you can read his, his, all his books are down there and he'll talk about them for sure. But I want to spend a few minutes just catching up with again because we got up close and personal yesterday, asked a few questions about his life and that, and we'll eventually make that available to you as on demand so you can have a look. But come on up, Dr. Andrew, and let's ask him a few more questions and uh, see if we can um, see if we can find a little bit more. So we all we heard about your journey yesterday because Kimmy's here and Ruby, mm. your daughter, and Matt, yeah. and uh, then we went to lunch and then Kimmy gave me a different version. The other, the, the, her version of, this, of the story as well, which is how we met, what, um, so what I shared yesterday was that I'd had a recurring dream about Kim. I'd never met her and I thought I heard her name in my dream. You thought it was Ken? I thought it was Ken. And, uh, <laughs> he was way ahead of his time. <laughs> and when, when I met her, what I, what, some of the gaps in there, when I met her, I realised this is, this is the woman of my dreams. I mean, literally, I, I, I saw her and said, this is the woman I've been, the, the young woman I've been dreaming about. And a boldness came on me, Kev, where I thought, well, here goes. I don't know if this means anything to you, but have you recently been kicked out of home by your parents? And she just burst into tears, which I, I have that effect a lot. That's not that's not the surprising so you bit. Actually had a word of knowledge. Yeah, well, well, because, well, was was hardly a word of knowledge in that I just re, I, I, look. I saw this in the dream. I'm just going to go for it. So I did, and so yeah, that was that was a, a gap I, I left out yesterday because it sort of adds to the do 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 part it of does, the whole thing. So yeah. So you've been pastoring church for what? 27 years. I've been pastoring Lagana, yeah. and then before that, I was uh, pastoring in Melbourne, uh, a church for nearly four years, and then before that, I was in a assistant pastor and then before that I was a youth pastor so I've been doing it a little while now. Yeah, so what made you first go into pastoring? Yeah, it, um, that is a great question. I, uh, the, the word call is thrown around a lot but for me it's, it, it's actually very precious in the sense that when I was uh, 15 I gave my life to Christ. When I was 16 I was baptised in the Holy Spirit and I had a very clear sense that, that I wanted to see people come to know Christ. So I started street preaching. I was um, 
traveling around. I, I, um, by the time I, I got a license, I, was, I drove around Australia. I, I, uh, I street preached in Cable Street Mall. and, and uh, Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, but, but went right around Australia. Because I, 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 I had a heart to see people come to know Christ. It, the, 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 what I felt was the change in my life was something I thought, everyone needs to know about this. So I did whatever I could. And then I realized, um, firstly, the, the call of my life was that I, I, wanted to, I didn't just want to help people come to Christ. I wanted to help people grow in Christ. And so um, uh, Kim and I got involved in youth ministry and we were, we were doing that for you know, a few years. And then that just, we just grew into being senior pastors and then uh, here we are. I think you've answered my second question because I was going to say, what do you love about pastoring? But mm. that's, that's kind of come out there, the fact that you, look, you want to see people decide. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think this is important, Kev. You know, you and I have both met people. And, and I, one of the reasons I really respect you is that you actually have a heart for people. I know that sounds weird because pastors are supposed to care for people. But I've met, I've met pastors who said, I love pastoring. It would, the only problem is people. You know, uh, you know, and they even say, I love preaching. I love and, and really what they love is they love preaching at people. And so one of the things I, I, I say in my own church is, you know, when I'm about to preach, I say, I'm not here to preach to you. I'm here to pastor you. So when I preach, I'm actually pastoring, which means I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help shape people. And, and, and they know because one of the things about being in a, a when we came to Lagana, Tasmania, Lagana, is if you know, I'm going to do a little air map now. Um, yeah, I know. I was sharing yesterday, I did an air, I love doing air maps, and someone who was visiting our church went into the aisle with their phone and took a photo of my air map. <laughs> anyway, here's Tasmania. It's in the shape of a heart. Where that cleavage is in the heart, you, you go about halfway down, and that's where Lagana is. So that, that cleavage is the Tamar River. It's the largest tidal estuary in the um, southern hemisphere. And it's where the water becomes fresh. And Lagana means fresh water. And I, I love that, uh, that, that picture of uh, the church being a place where there's fresh water, right? And so we've, we, we came there in 1995 and the Lord spoke to me. There were 17 members at that time. And the average age was 65. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you will bury every one of these people. Wow, I know. <laughs> And they're not all dead. They're not all dead yet. <laughs> but and I and I say that quite sincerely. That 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 the call the call wasn't to be here for two or three years. The call was to. This is my life. Yeah. Exactly. With so my life in. And so, one of the other things that I say in pastoring, and I think we've even talked about it on the phone, Kev, is I I, I see pastoring as helping people to die well. And I, that might sound morbid to you, but I but if. if I hope Kev helps all of you to die well. And there's a comma after that because the, the next part of that statement is in order to die well, you have to learn how to live well. And there's a comma after that. And in order to die well, you have to learn to live well when life is not going well. And if you can do that, and Kev, you accused me of not being a hyper-faith prosperity preacher, and I thank you for the compliment because... <laughs> Because I'm not, I think life is reality. There is, now, don't get me wrong, we pray for people to be healed. We pray for people to be delivered of whatever's oppressing them. But sometimes life gets tough and pastors, we, we need to help people process reality, the reality of life. 
there's death, there's cancer, there's divorce, there's all those things that mess people up and we try and help them to do life well when life is not well. The theology of suffering. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Why don't mm. have that? You know? mm. And the reality is that, I think Pastor Mike Gadira said it to us once, like, you will suffer in this life. Mm. The question is, will it make you bitter? Or mm. will it make you better? Mm -hmm. I've never forgotten that. So, mm. One more question, and then we'll mm -hmm. cut you loose here. Mm -hmm. um, this is a Ruth's question. Uh -huh. She desperately wants to know this. What would you tell your 20-year-old self right now if you had the chance? Oh, thank you, Ruth. Um, it would take a long time, actually. I told you this was going to be a big one, right? No, I, 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 okay, so, so that question sort of raises the issue of do you have any regrets? And the answer is, heck yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, oh man, have I got regrets? And I hear people say, oh, I've lived my life and I've got no regrets. I think, you callous mongrel. How can you not, how can you not have regrets? Honestly, the, the biggest, okay, the things I would say to myself um, if I could speak to myself at, at the age of 20 is don't, the things that you think are funny when you say things to people are often not funny and they actually hurt. Yeah. And I regret that. I regret, uh, you know, the, I was uh, visiting a church once where a lady came in with a bulge and I said, oh, congratulations, when are you due? And she looked at me like, I'm not pregnant. I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> now what do I do? And she was really upset and offended. So I've learned you never compliment what you think is a pregnant woman. <laughs> you wait, you wait until, they, until there's some evidence. That, 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 so that, that's just, it's just a little thing. So I would, I would say, um, be, uh, to my 20-year-old self, I'd say don't, don't default to trying to be funny. Yeah. Default to trying to listen better. That's what I would, I would say. And I still, I'm still working on that, by the way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, we're going to let you uh, teach us more. All right. Thank you, Kev. Thanks. And I do appreciate Kevin and Anne. We consider them some of our, our goodest friends. And uh, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, Kev has in, invited Kim and I back here so often. And, and on, the, uh, on the back table there, you'll see, uh, Kev said all of my books. No, actually, I've just brought two. And um, they're both on the book of Revelation. And... Um, One's on what's called the Olivet Discourse and another one is on the Book of Revelation. So you'll see those there. But I've written, I've written others as well. And that's, that, I guess I was going to say that's not meant to be a brag, but I suppose it sounds like it. So let's say it's just a brag. But anyway, one of the things about uh, following Christ, I hope that we, that we appreciate, is that life can get tough. And sometimes when people start out on the journey with Christ, where we're talking about the things you need to do to grow in Christ. One of the things I, I hope everyone learns very quickly, one of the three things that I think it's, it's absolutely essential for Christians is this. Number one, you, you need to understand the place of the Bible, the Word of God, in your walk with Christ. And it's indispensable. And I did a, a daily Bible reading on YouTube with the promise that if someone starts on this journey with me, they'll go through the entire Bible in a year. So if you have struggled to read your Bible, you might want to jump on youtube.com forward slash Dr. Andrew C and you'll see daily Bible reading and we'll just take you through the whole journey. And not only, not only do we read it, I explain it and then pray. I'm done, just like that. So, so that's a few minutes 
and each day and you'll get through the Bible in a year. Because only 2% of Christians have ever read their Bible from cover to cover. 2%. So I think we've got a problem when people don't know what God's Word says. And I, and I know people don't know what God's Word says because they say really dumb things about what they think it says. And that's how I know people don't fully appreciate the Bible. The second thing that every Christian needs to be able to do is know how to pray. And this must be a big struggle for a lot of people. Because if you go to a Christian bookstore, there's an almost an entire wall of books written by people on how to pray. Now, I find that confusing too, because if I, if I could put it simply, prayer is talking to God. I mean, it's, it's, that's it. And, I, and if, if you're someone who thinks, yeah, but what are the right words? What, what's the magic words that you need in order to get God to do what you want? And I would say, I, I'm sorry, if you think that's Christianity, take it back to the shop, get your money back, because that's not Christianity. Get the real thing, and it doesn't cost you anything. Because prayer is not a matter of getting God to do what you want. That's actually called witchcraft. Uh, when, you, when you think you can manipulate the gods. Prayer is actually bearing your, initially, bearing your heart to God. And so what I want to talk about, and I've called this uh, divinely precious triplets. And you'll, you'll see what I mean by this. And I'm talking about words. Word, three, three words that come together. And, you know, triplets don't have to be identical. So you can have three words that, that should be together and they do something. And what I want to make, I want to make the case that sometimes the most profound truths in the Bible are expressed in three words. It's amazing. So someone said, the Bible is shallow enough for a child to wade in and enjoy and splash around in. But the Bible's also deep enough for scholars to deep dive and get the bends from doing it. It's that broad. And so when we talk about divinely precious triplets, when we talk about some of the most profound truths in the Bible are actually expressed in just three words. One of the greatest theologians of the 20th century was a man, was an Englishman who moved to Canada. His name was J.I. Packer. He wrote a best-selling book and it is sold in the tens of millions. It's called Knowing God. It's one of the best books you can give someone who has just become a Christian, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's profound. This man was one of the deepest Christian thinkers of the 20th century. And he wrote this book, Knowing God. And can I tell you, that's my quest, to know God. And a part of that journey, for me, I read in Scripture, which we've just talked about, is that quest necessarily involves becoming increasingly humble. I don't know how many people have that as your life goal, but it's what Scripture commands be increasingly humble. And J.I. Packer, he reduced the entire Bible <laughs> to three words. He summed it up with three words. This is a, a picture of him. He, he died in 2020, two years ago, and he's deeply missed by the, the Christian community around the world. This is how he summed up the gospel. The, the gospel is a word, it's a catch-all word, and essentially it means the gospel really is from the start of it, which starts with three profound words, in the beginning. And for those who are scientifically minded, you would appreciate that there are people who claim to be scientific 
who don't think the universe had a beginning. They believe in just so stories called multiverse and just so stories about, well, the world's always been there. When in fact, science now tells us the world hasn't always been there. In the beginning, three words that change the way we look at the world. And he, from the entire Bible, he summed up the gospel, the message of the Bible. He summed it up in three words. And these are the three words. God saves sinners. That's it. God saves sinners. And that is absolutely profound. God saves sinners. So I want to pray, and I know there's already been prayer today, but I want to pray, and I want to pray a three-word prayer that I hope you'll make your own. Open my heart. I'd encourage you just to pray that now. Open my heart. You might offer another triplet. Speak to me today and make that your prayer. Let's see what happens, shall we? Some of the most eloquent prayers in the Bible only consisted of three words. It's amazing. How about this one? Help me, Lord. I'll confess to you, that's my most prayed prayer. <laughs> Often I reduce it to one word. Guess which word? <laughs> Help. Help. And so these prayers, there's, there's another three-word prayer that is absolutely profound and I, and I hope you, you appreciate it don't just go oh yeah yawn what please hear the the profundity of this three-word prayer thank you god thank you god they're profound prayers they're just three words but they are profound god save me i said that j.i packer said that the whole bible can be summed up with those three words God saves sinners. And that prayer is a response to that message. God save me. God save me. We have a lady that came to Jesus in, in uh, Caesarea Philippi. She was a Syrophoenician woman. And her prayer to Jesus, please heal her. Talking about her daughter who was demonized. Please heal her. It's an amazing exchange that Jesus had with this woman where he said it's not fit, it's not proper, it's not appropriate to give the bread meant for the children of Israel to dogs. Her response was great. <laughs> Even dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall off the table. Please heal her. And he did, which reveals his heart. The greatest royal invitation that's ever been uttered consists of three words and it was given by Jesus and it's an invitation to every one of us here. Come unto me. Come unto me. And I'll show you that in a moment. Three words can change your entire life journey. Just three words. Come and see. That's what Jesus said to some of the disciples when they asked him, we're going to follow you. Where are you staying tonight? Come and see. And I hope you hear the voice of Jesus speak that invitation to you today as well. Come and see. Come and see. Many of these three-word prayers, these three-word statements by Jesus, these invitations, I'm calling them divinely precious triplets. 
Because the cry of a heart that says, God, save me. Please heal her. Please heal him. Please heal my son, my daughter, my dad. Please heal him, her, them. I'm calling them divinely precious triplets because a cry from the heart that may only consist of three words, two words, four words, they can touch God's heart because they're coming from your heart. You don't need fancy words. You don't need to pray long and hard. Jesus, when he stood in in front of the tomb of Lazarus, he prayed one of the shortest prayers in the Bible and the result was a man rose from the dead after being dead four days. Do you remember that prayer? It went something like this. Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Amen. That's it. And then he uttered three words. Lazarus, come forth. (laughs) And a man came down looking like a mummy, wrapped in cloth like a mummy. And Jesus said, unwrap him. Amazing. So sometimes we think, and, I, and I've done this, I, I had someone come to me and say, oh, Pastor, you're a man of God. And I thought, oh, thank you. And, uh, you, you know, if you, you, I, need, I need a man of God to pray for uh, my wife who's, who's dying of cancer. So I said, oh, okay, I will, I'll pray. So, and I said, like okay, I agree with my brother. Lord, please heal her. Amen. Do you think he wasn't ticked and offended? Absolutely he was. He said, oh, I thought you're a man of God. I'm thinking, well, I, I prayed one more word than Jesus and he raised the bloke from the dead. So <laughs> he said, no, no. As he went to an elder and he said, I don't know what's up with the pastor, but could you pray for me? And this elder, he's going, yeah, I'll do it. I'll show you how it's done. And he goes on for about five minutes. She died. The point is he prayed for five minutes and you didn't, it wasn't how many words you pray. Didn't Jesus actually say something about that when he taught about prayer? It's not the amount of words you pray. That's what the religious people do to look impressive. So if I don't sound impressive today, if I don't pray impressively, I don't, um, as, as you say up here in Queensland, I don't care. So these divinely precious triplets, these three words that you can pray and ask and utter and use, they can rescue a lost soul. They can lead to being a soul rescued when a soul who knows they're lost, who knows they're broken, who knows they're hurting, cries out, God save me. I'm in a mess. I've done wrong. Please, God, do something in my life. A simple prayer like that can change your life. I've, I've put this challenge out to people who have said, well, that's right for you. You know, I'm, I'm not religious. I don't care about your religion. I go, well, then it won't hurt you, will it? Well, I don't even believe there's a God. Well, then it especially won't hurt you if you pray to him right now, will it? God, reveal yourself to me. And that's a prayer I would encourage someone to pray who says, well, I don't believe in God. It's amazing how reluctant some atheists are to pray that. Huh. And I, I invite people to pray it and go, just see what happens this week, would you? Just see what happens. You'll be, you, you could be surprised. Divinely precious triplets can lead to a soul being saved. It can lead to a broken relationship being healed. It can lead to the replenishing of the worn out. And based on the slide I grabbed this morning, I think some of you need that. 
either not enough coffee or you are not Sabbathing well. Thank you for all those amens. I really appreciate that. It's, I'm feeling it. All right. So let me unpack that a little bit. A precious triplet, three words, can rescue a lost soul. I want to tell you a biblical story of a lost soul. This is taken from Luke chapter 7. It is the story, the story that, G that occurs in all the Gospels. And Jesus said, wherever the Gospel is preached, this story, this is the story. Jesus said, this will be told wherever the Gospel goes. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Reclined at table means, and um, if we were to give an example of this, I will, I will just uh, give you a graphic demonstration of what that looks like. Reclined at table looks like this. Table on the floor, slightly raised. Reclined at table looks like this. Do I have a volunteer to bring the grapes? <laughs> but that's reclined at table, right? This is how in the Orient, where Jesus was, this is, they're, they're grabbing the food, they're there, feet are out there, and they're, they're reclining, reclining at table. That's it. Got the picture? It's an important picture, you'll see why. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. A woman who was a sinner, this is this is, you know, we don't need a lot of imagination to, to go, what's Dr. Luke telling us here? She may have been married at one point, probably not. She was a sinner in the sense that she had been committing sexual sin. And this is the designation given to someone, particularly a woman, who was known to have a reputation. It's probably the only way we can explain how on earth she got to have an alabaster flask. Very expensive. The other Gospels tell us how expensive the perfume was that she poured out, the ointment she poured out. To describe Chanel 5 in comparison to it, Chanel 5 would be like pouring out water. And Chanel 5 is, as every husband would know here, Chanel 5 is very expensive. <laughs> I just sensed a cloud of conviction come on the room. I, just my discerning. It's estimated that the cost of this would, would have been somewhere around $50,000 in today's money. Where on earth does a woman get that kind of money? Well, again, you don't have to think too hard, do you? Prostitution was probably what she was, she was doing. And can I say, isn't it remarkable that Luke doesn't call her a prostitute? It, ha it sounds denigrating, doesn't it? He calls her a woman, a woman. It's, it's, it's a quite a respectful designation, but, but he's, not, he's not holding back. She was a woman who was a sinner. You know, surveys show, the research shows that most women end up in prostitution because they were sexually abused as a little girl. And sadly, many of them were abused 
by their father. That's not right. That's not right. And here she is. She knows her life is messed up. We're not told why she came to Jesus, but I'm guessing she heard Jesus. And if you run back through the Luke 7, you'll see Jesus told stories of lost people who came home, lost people who cried out to God and got saved. And I think she was one of them in that crowd. And now she's come to say, thank you, Lord. And so she anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, Simon, who had invited him saw this, he, note this, he didn't say it out loud. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she is a sinner. Hmm. And Jesus answering, answering what? He just thought it. Sorry, I should say, he just thought it. <laughs> Forgot my manly voice. But doesn't that freak you out? You could be in a dinner party with Jesus. You could be thinking something and he goes, yes, let me answer that question. What question? <laughs> By the way, demons can't do that. Just a thought. There is no record in scripture of a demon being able to read your mind or even Satan. He can put things into your mind if you let him. Just a thought. Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, oh, the one I suppose for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to turning toward the woman, turning toward. Can we just do I need to graphically demonstrate? Could you just come and be my model for a moment, please? I'm getting tired of getting down there. Could you just recline at table for a minute? Just no, no feet out this way. What's your name? Sam. Sam, you must do this at home all the time. You're married. What's, what's your name? Pauline. Pauline brings the grapes, just drops them in your mouth. Yeah, there you go. Um, so just feed out this way. So, so the, yeah, there, now you're reclining at the table. So what's your name again, Sam? Sam. Sam. Thank you, Sam. And so the, but get this. Sam wouldn't be wearing shoes. Sam, take shoes off, please. <laughs> Sam wouldn't be wearing socks. Uh, <laughs> and what would Sam's feet have looked like? Because he's been wearing leather sandals through camel poo, donkey poo, horse poo. Oh, yuck. Pretty similar to that, actually. No, <laughs> this is not a... This is... And, and so what, what has the woman done? She's come out... out she, imagine Pauline was the woman. No, we won't do this. But, but she is, she's washing his feet and pouring ointment. I don't know how many men would notice someone playing with your bare feet. <laughs> Sammy, do you have ticklish feet? We're not going to test it. I don't know, maybe. Maybe, oh, we're definitely not going to test it now. 
But you see what's happening here? She's doing this. Now note this, turning toward the woman. So he's turning toward this woman who is bawling. He said to Simon, you can put your socks back on now. I think we've got the picture. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Thank you very much. But get that. He turns to the woman and he says to Simon, now, I don't know what that, uh, how that looks to you, but that looks rude to me. Even as parents, we, we say to our young children, you know, to, to parent them, when they're talking to an adult, we say, look at them and talk to them. And here's Jesus talking to Simon by turning away from him. And now he is saying this. He said to Simon, do you see this woman? What kind of question is that? Jesus already knew that he looked at the woman, but Simon didn't see the woman. He did not see the woman. He saw a sinner. He didn't see her story. He didn't see what had been going on. He didn't see the woman. Can I say, men who look at pornography, shame on you, because you are looking at women, you're not seeing the woman. Pornography is of Satan and it distorts men's vision of women. I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you now, where is Jesus looking at the woman? Therefore, I tell you, Simon, her sins, which are many, remember where he's looking? Right into her eyes are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. The other gospel writers tell us that Simon had leprosy. He hasn't announced it, but he's got it. And I wonder whether he invited Jesus there and Jesus would say, Simon, I see that you're coming down with leprosy. Let me heal you. But that wasn't the only sickness that Simon had, was it? He was, his sickness was a sickness of the soul. And get this next verse, verse 48, profound. If you haven't underlined it in your Bible, you might want to go and buy a highlighter. We'll wait. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. The weight that must have come off her with Jesus looking into her eyes and saying that, wouldn't that, wouldn't that just, can you feel it? Can you see it? Then those who were with him, they saw it, began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Three words, go in peace. Wow. A precious triplet can repair a broken relationship as well as a broken soul can repair a broken relationship. I've had the time, which I don't, I've gone over time, but let me just briefly tell you this. In order for a marriage to be healed, and this is what pastors do a lot of, help marriages become stronger and heal broken ones. It requires an apology. It cannot be healed without an apology. And can I say, this is, this is what I, I encourage marriages that are in trouble. An apology does not consist of the words, I am sorry. In fact, 
If you really want to apologize, it consists of something that sounds like this. I now realize the hurt I've caused you. I can now see how I've made you feel by my actions. I now understand the deep, deep pain my actions and my attitude and my words caused you. Here comes the crux of the apology. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. That's the essence of an apology. Can I say that when you realize you're a sinner who needs to be saved by a God who saves sinners, that's the same apology you pray to God. Please forgive me. A precious triplet prayer, divinely precious triplet, can replenish the worn out. And this is where I mentioned those three words before, where Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And if the worship team comes back, please. So here's my, here's my question to you now, as I bring this to a, a close. And I've got to tell you, my prayer and my prayer for the last few weeks and, and even today has been exactly what we prayed right at the start. God, open my heart. And I, I'm praying that God will open your heart. I'm praying that God will do something in you as a church. I haven't come here to preach a word. I've come here to help Kev and Anne do what they do in this church. And that includes relationships being restored, people who are worn out. And I, when I said it may mean that you're not Sabbathing well, I literally mean that. You need to Sabbath well. So here's, here's my closing challenge to you. What is your divinely precious triplet? Please heal her. Please heal him. Please heal me. God save me. God help me. What is it? Do you know? Do you have that assurance that if you were to die right now and you were to stand before God, in that next life because your life will not end at the grave here your life goes on beyond the grave jesus said you either take the narrow path or you take the broad path that leads to the destruction for eternity of your soul where are you going what are you up to what's your prayer request i'd love the opportunity to pray with you so as we sing this song I, I i just wonder if we could stand please and and i i want to pray for you and pray with you perhaps there's someone you want to stand in for perhaps there's something in your life perhaps you know you've been playing games you, today's the day you need to rededicate your life to christ you've been playing games today's the day perhaps you've never given your life to christ today's the day so i invite you to come forward and i just have a word of prayer with you it might be short, I warn you, but that'll be okay. I invite you to come out and receive prayer. Thank you. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select Divinely Precious Triplets from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. 
As we've heard tonight, some of the most eloquent prayers in the Bible consist of just three words. What it tells us is that God doesn't need a theological thesis presented in multiple languages to hear the cry of our heart. It can be as simple as just three words. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.